Gen Z's just, they are what we call the king of the side hustle. They want to find 10 different ways to do what they need to do. X is a little difficult because they're between two very strong generations, and so they're a little quieter. They say millennials' main motivation is safety, trying just to be okay. Alpha have never, they don't know a world without internet, without a smartphone. Welcome back to Entrust Equipping Leaders. Today, Jeff Hurtak and Trisha Lambert rejoin your host, Lori Lind, in a conversation about generations. Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, Millennials, Gen Alpha, the list goes on and on. In fact, if you've missed our previous episode, you may want to go back and check that one out first. Today, the conversation turns to each generation's spiritual characteristics and how Christians can be sensitive to and ready to serve upcoming generations. Well, then we talk about the Christian world and the local church. What do you see as, as maybe sort of trends or characteristics, um, just in, in terms of faith, first of all, in say, millennials, Gen X, Gen Z, what are some trends that you two are aware of? So Jeff can correct me after I throw out here what I think millennials are. Um, so millennials were often, there was still a high percentage that went to church, that grew up in the church because they're being raised by boomer parents. And that was a value. It was just sort of a cultural expectation, cultural value that they had. Mm -hmm. So now what you see millennials, the very common thing is they're deconstructing their faith to figure out what they really believe and what is just things that, they used to do because that was what their family did. So they're on a quest to discover, I think right now, what they really believe and what role religion does play in their life mm -hmm. and who is this God that they you know, hear about. There's no cultural support for millennials and their faith. Mm -hmm. So it's a very much of an individual um, pursuit. And you see that like, as they pursue that you, they come out all different places because it's a, individual. So Jeff, what would you add or take away from what I just said? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, millennials hate the word deconstruction, but it's true, yeah. right? <laughs> so uh, a millennial will never agree. I'm not, I'm not deconstructing. I'm just figuring it out. Right. Okay. Um, and Gen Z is actually going to be even more against the word deconstruction, but Really with millennials, what yeah, we see, uh, you know, raised by boomers, uh, a lot of the younger age were, were raised by Gen Xers at the, that tip, the 65 through 67, uh, you know, were, you know, uh, people who were born during that time, you know, the, the early Xers, um, and, and they are, were all helicopter parents, you know, um, you know, Gen X um, were latchkey kids and they got into a lot of trouble. So when they start raising their children, they're doing the opposite. No more latch keys. You know, um, every, you know, parents are always home with their children. You know, that's why we have longer after school care, all those types of things. With that, I, I think what we found in millennials was a deep hatred for moralism in like the early time of church, right? A lot of us were moralists. We thought that's what earned us our salvation. And then when we become adults, we start doing the opposite. We start thinking, okay, now I have the freedom to do it. Um, I, I like to think about millennials being the age of like uh, religious liberties, right? <laughs> this is my liberty to do this certain thing. <laughs> and so uh, we just start seeing that kind of thing where um, it's more of my person. It's always been personal faith, but it's like 
this is my faith. That was my parents' faith. I need to make my own faith. And and now we're seeing this with millennial parents, right? Millennial parents are telling their kids, like, you don't need to necessarily go to church all the time. You you can learn about your faith personally, right? Um, and so now it's like a more personal, 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 for lack of better terms, deconstructed, right? It's what I want it to be. Um, Trisha, you said something about cultural support for their faith. Mm-hmm. What would that and it and some of these generations didn't grow up with that? What would that look like? Or is there cultural support for faith in in Christ now for Gen Alpha or or older? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I meant by that term was um like when I was young everyone went to church, even people that didn't have a real strong personal interest in faith, but it was culturally accepted to go to church. And so you followed that norm, that cultural norm and people, you know, took their kids to church. And we also grew up with a Judeo-Christian value system of what was right and what was wrong. There was a stronger uh, truth identification with truth More people thought the same thing about truth when I was growing up, as opposed to generations now. Um, Truth has become, the lingo that I'm familiar with is truth is personal um, in the younger generations, as I would say truth was more of a specific set of beliefs. And most likely, most of the people on your block would agree with you, you know, as you grew up. So those kinds of cultural supports where there was a common understanding of what was right, what was wrong, how that culture does things, you know, honesty was important. Uh, You go back to the schools, teachers, like if a kid got in trouble, the teacher carried more authority and the parents often supported the teacher in that role. Whereas now there's a, I don't know, that feels really sticky to get into, but I think it's different (laughs) now. (laughs) You know, we don't quite have that same view. What would you add to that, Jeff? Yeah, I I mean, in the south we, we you know i would say like the old lingo is god family football type thing right like um i'll, I'll use like a practical example uh they, they you know they say that it's it, back then it was harder to be an atheist and a football team than it was to be a christian right so like atheists were being persecuted on nfl football teams because of the christian background of it And and so, you know, Christian very much became associated with being a patriot, being American, Um, especially in the South. Right. In the North, we see a little bit of the deviation from that. Um, They're not in the Bible Belt necessarily. Um, So we do still see like kids are part of the Bible Belt in Texas and in in South South uh, United States. You know, you're very much raised in a Christian background, but that Christian background is only as good as you know, your parents or your culture reinforce the kids are acting like non-believers outside of that Sunday school service. Um, right. But once they were in that Sunday school service, they're Christians, you know, uh, 10 out of 10 students will tell you that they were a Christian at birth because they were raised in the church. It's just one of those things where, uh, yeah, I, I think culturally, uh, we we've leaned towards what I would call just like a, a personal hedonistic lifestyle, right? What brings me pleasure, what brings me joy in the worldly term, joy, happiness is is what is true. It's practical, right? Like this makes me feel good, therefore it's good, um, right? Um, but it's not biblical. So we want to more and more be focused on ma- providing and maintaining a biblical 
understanding of life, a mindset. And more and more, Patricia and I, we're finding that our leaders are younger than us. You know, my my doctor retired and now I have a doctor who's younger than me. And pretty soon my dentist is going to be younger than me. And my pastor is already younger than me. These, those are the generations, you know, my generation is retiring and we're being led by millennials, Gen mm. Y, I don't know, Z. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> what are the Christian leadership needs among Christians in, in these up and coming generations? I, I do want to make the comment that, you know, the way we view generations is usually before they're adults, right? Um, so uh, the immature millennial versus the mature millennial. It, they, mm-hmm. We see a big shift in millennials once they become adults. They, they, they learn responsibility. They learn these types of things. And so um, I think first off, I think we have to remember that um, that we're going to see a shift in Gen Z and it's going to come within the next like three, four years because a lot of them are entering the workforce now. Uh, a majority of the workforce will be millennial in just a couple of years, um, if not all of it. So I did want to make that comment before we think about it. You know, um, we shouldn't be fearful of millennials being in leadership positions because of the way we saw them as kids. Um, right. Because we had a lot of issues as millennials, as kids. We, you know, uh, we also went through a lot with leadership. I think we have to remember that they're different than they were when we came up with these categories. Um mm-hmm. And that will help us respect um, leadership that are that is younger more, understanding that they're maturing just like we, you know, and I'm saying we, but <laughs> I'm one of them, right? That's maturing still because um, we don't mature until like 35, right? No. <laughs> um, so I'm, just, I'm making a joke. I, I don't suppose I don't think I've matured yet. I'm still hoping it's. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> though I do, I do think we'll see um, with, with new millennial leadership, I do think we'll see more call to action in our faith, especially from these younger pastors who are, uh, we're going to see a more diverse faith, um, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, Diverse and also reconciled faith uh, is kind of the term a lot of people are using. Uh, If that's racial reconciliation, if that's cultural reconciliation. So yeah, what else? Like we'll see more calls to action. We'll see more practical. Do you mean even like get out there and take care of the homeless? Get out like put your faith to the, where the rubber meets the road. Don't just sit in the pew here. That kind of I I think so. Not to say that that wasn't happening. Um, I I think it's going to be the shift of in the more older generational churches, we have a very strong focus on discipleship, right. Um, And a less of a focus on the out view of the church. Uh, You know, we do have seeker friendly, all those types of things, but I think with millennial leadership, we'll see a lot more outward thought but we might also see uh, we're going to have to fight harder for truth. That outward thought can sometimes override truth. Um, and so th- that's where we're going to have to, you know, call call it back. Um, Gen Z, we're going to see that even more. Gen Z, we're going to see even more action. Um, Gen Zs will only do what what makes the world better, in their opinion, right? So um, that that's going to, you know, what what makes the world better? That's now a relative truth. Right. We would say that it's the gospel, mm-hmm. but they may say that it's uh, racial justice, you know, or it's, you know, all good, good things. Right. But those are now going to be focal points as opposed to the gospel. And what else do you see about that, Trisha? So this is speculation on my part. I haven't um, read this to be true, but um, because it, it seems like millennials have a less of a Oh, a biblical literacy in their background. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that 
appeals to them is liturgies of the church. And you find a lot of them returning to that. And so my speculation is, I wonder if that gives them an anchor point that they don't feel from the culture mm -hmm. and um, that that's one of the things that appeals to them about those liturgies. And I also see them returning um, more to spiritual disciplines and some of these ancient church practices that as a boomer, we thought were old. And so therefore we didn't want anything to do with them. <laughs> Right. If we were the moderns. <laughs> and so we kind of threw all of that out. But we do see now the church having more of that and more churches that I attend. I've I've noticed that they've incorporated more liturgy and things like that. I, I typically see uh, millennials be very ferocious about their faith if they truly believe. If they're mm -hmm. true believers, they're ferocious about it. And, and it's because it's something they're passionate about. So they will do everything they can to make sure that is a priority in their life. The issue is is that the culture is directly going against that. So unless you're a true believer, you have no chance type thing, right? And I mean, that's true in all generations, but um, biblical literacy is down. It goes down every year. I mean, I think general literacy is going down, but um, biblical literacy is definitely going down. So as you guys work with your team at Entrust on de developing curriculum, and this is various courses aimed at further equipping leaders to lead well in the local church, sometimes overseas, but even more and more for leaders here in the, in the North America. Uh, how do you see, you know, having to shift how you put these courses together and what, what um, techniques or processes do you use? What has, what's changing or what might change going forward? So those are definitely questions we're asking as a team of how we make those shifts and make it more accessible to younger readers. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the outcomes of the biblical literacy being down is we're actually developing a course on developing a biblical worldview, because those are ideas that, um, are not common place anymore. They're not in the culture itself. Mm -hmm. So that was a response that we're seeing our leaders don't have the foundation that they used to have. So that's an attempt to help shore that up. So that'll be something that, um, and it will be available, you know, in a year or so uh, for for people to use. I think some of it is keeping in mind the my, the culture that these generations are in. So things like broken families, um, gender confusion, the shorter attention spans, um, less biblically literate. Those are all things that are not points that we're going to directly address in our curriculum, but that's the um, the milieu that we're in. And so we have to keep those in mind as we write. One thing that's true about our curriculum is it's not just the words on the page. Our trainings are a, um, a whole experience as well. And so some of those things are addressed more through the experience of a training as you go through the material just as much as the written curriculum that they're reading. So relationally, that, I mean, interest is very relationally oriented. And I think that that we could really capitalize on that because a lot of these younger generations are used to having significant relationships through media. And it's a new concept for them to have that face-to-face -face time, mm -hmm. you know, and interface. So that'd be one way. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna let Jeff speak a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I think I think we've had this we've had the conversation of, you know, if we're if we build a curriculum towards one generation, two generations, we're mm-hmm. going to have to revise it every two years. Mm-hmm. I, I, I at the end of the day, it's 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 an undoable task. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we can do is look at the general. Right. We know that um, the generations are getting more relational. You know, their attention spans are getting smaller. That's not going to change. Uh, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's not going to be a jump in attention span. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, that'd be great. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, we'll go from eight seconds to to two minutes, you know, I mean, we're, we're in the seconds now, you know, and, and so it's not, it's not going to change. I I think we've focused even on our latest edits and I'm newer. So at the end of the day, I have limited knowledge. Right. But we, we focused on, uh, on maybe like listing um, some things more, than just writing paragraphs about it, um, seeing what content is actually needed. Because like we said, the, the later generations, they focus on what's needed, not the, the uh, I don't want to use that word, so I'm not going to. Um, you were going to say fluff, right? I was, I was, <laughs> but that's not a fair statement. Um, that's my millennialism coming out. Yeah, that's um, okay. but, that's all right. um, you know, the, the extra, the extra explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in trust is ahead of the curve. Um, because of the natural relationship that we bring in our trainings, right? There's just a natural ability to uh, make it relational, which mm-hmm. the next generations are all about. Um, and I think Trisha alluded to this. Uh, th- it is a different relationship, though. Um, so, um, you know, we haven't developed, <laughs> you know, videos and <laughs> all these types of things for the curriculum or anything of that nature. Um, and graphics changing things of that nature. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've kicked around the idea of what pieces of our curriculum can we turn into like videos? Mm -hmm. You're talking like one minute videos are not long that can convey or just reinforce what you're doing. Maybe it is in the curriculum, but you have some options so that our younger generations can go there. They like videos. They like that media. So we haven't done much on that uh, front yet, but we've talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. like how do we explain things using short little videos? I think too, uh, and this really fits in with our adult education methods is the desire of these younger generations. They pursue their passions, mm-hmm. that what they believe and think are the things that they're interested and curious about. And as we use our adult education methods in our trainings, um, that's really, we're going to be able to capitalize on that. And uh, I think, well, it, it b- begins to tailor each group to itself and to the people in the group. That is a value of interest as we write lesson plans. Like I might've taught lesson three of a certain curriculum, you know, 10 times already. But as I come to that new group, I rewrite it with those particular people in mind. Mm-hmm. And so that's a a value or a practice that interest has that will become more and more important as we're working with younger generations. The gospel doesn't change, right? but how we deliver the gospel and the images that we use to convey it, all of that can, can vary. It's going to vary culture to culture, and it's going to vary, you know, group to group generationally. I think that's the benefit of writing curriculum based out of the Bible. The Bible doesn't change. And so um, we're able to convey truth in different ways, contextualize it, right? Um, It's one of our core values. Well, I don't think we've solved all the problems, but we've definitely defined some of them and touched on some good things to keep in mind. And so I'm really grateful. Thank you both for your insights. And uh, let's keep this dialogue going. Maybe we'll revisit this in a 
a few months when all the generations will have changed already or a year or something. <laughs> exactly. Same thing that. Uh, yeah. So thank you both. Really, thank you, Trisha. Thank you, Jeff. It's been great to just hear you and learn from thank you. you so what generation are you a part of? Whether you're a boomer or a Gen Zer or somewhere in between, we trust this two-part series about generations and their spiritual needs has been helpful. Share this podcast with others from your generation and maybe from a different generation. It could lead to some meaningful dialogue. Also, we'd appreciate your subscribing to Entrust, Equipping Leaders, writing a review and sharing it widely with others like you. See you next time here on Entrust, Equipping Leaders.